All right, welcome to the Peyton Years, your home for Oregon State basketball, the only podcast in existence dedicated solely to Oregon State men's basketball. I'm your host, Andy, and as always, I'm here with my friend Sam. Sam, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Andy. You know, I was just saying to you before we started recording, it bums me out to know that you're about ready to go back to school. But the cool thing about that is that it's getting to be a time of year where we're starting to think more about college basketball and you know, we've got the non-conference schedule completed. It's exciting times. Oh, yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah, it's the end of the summer. This is the last podcast of the summer. It's been a great off-season, I think. We've got had some cool guests on. Never thought we'd get GP2. That was great. We got GP2 on. We've got some cool guests in the works for the future. We got to see a practice. Yeah, all good things. All good things. Who could complain? Um, so we're going to break down. And also, Speaking of good things, we have um, Eldridge Rakasner on, and we're going to interview him at the end of this podcast, so stay tuned for that. He's uh, the best, I think, it's safe to say, easily our favorite commentator in the Pac-12, correct? Probably in the nation. For me, the nation. He's by far, I mean, he's he's kind of a, a hidden gem. It, the, the rest of the world needs to know about Eldridge Rakasner. It's, it's, it's a shame he's only on the Pac-12 network. That's true. He is a hidden gem. The rest of the world needs to know about him, but I'm almost afraid to tell them, you know, because I know that like any good thing the Beavers have, it'll be taken away. Exactly. He'll, he'll become property of, of the, the, the media and the Beaver bias and all that. And we don't need that. Exactly. So stay tuned for our interview with him. But before that, we're going to do um, just some general college basketball and uh, Beaver basketball news and updates. We're going to go over the release of the non-conference schedule because they finally put it out. But before we do all that, it's back. The Oregon State fight song. We figured it out, baby. Who says we need a producer? Hell fucking yeah. That that felt good. It's been a while, honestly. I'm ready to, to be down at Gill now. Yeah, it's been a while. And shout out to all the people who asked for money to help out with that. I figured it out. All you had to do was click a couple of bit buttons in the Google Meet. I We don't need to give you money for it. You, we, you can't grift the Peyton years. You can try, but we, we will not be putting any money into this podcast. Only making. Exactly. If you want to give us money, that's fine. But we will not be giving you any. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's our general business policy. Um, all right, so you know, let's do some uh, general college basketball Pac-12 uh, news before we jump into the non-conference schedule. Okay, sounds. So good. I think what I want to start off with is a shift in the national landscape. So there's been a big shift in the NCAA recently. Texas and Oklahoma have joined the SEC, essentially forming a super conference, a mega conference. Uh, Sam, how would you describe the conference? Yeah, I mean, uh, Pangea, essentially, (laughs) of college sports. They're just, yeah, I mean, and it does make sense a little bit geographically. I mean, it it, it seems like a thing that was bound to happen eventually. Uh, So you're a mega conference apologist. That's not where we stand as a Pac-12 school. And that's people are asking, what does this have to do with the Beavers? Well, this is what happens. On Tuesday, August 24th, the ACC, the Pac-12, and the Big Ten announced an alliance. Now, I'm putting that in quotes um, because it's not a formal agreement. According to, I love this quote, according to the Pac-12 commissioner, George uh, Kifkoff, there's no signed contract. There's agreement among three gentlemen. 
a la the three commissioners of our leagues. But we're coming together with the ACC and the Big Ten as the Pac-12. We're standing firm. We're saying that we're not submitting to this mega conference monstrosity that the SEC is. I, I, I mean, for me, when I hear that, I just think, like, when has a, a verbal agreement amongst three gentlemen ever gone awry? I mean, that's, that's set in stone. So I, don't, I still think it's going to happen eventually with the other conferences. And it's a scary thing for a school like Oregon State. But, I mean, it's nice to know that they're putting that out there, at least, that their intention for now is to rem- keep things the same, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, they want to keep it the same. They're going to try and align games. Uh, it's kind of a f- more of a football thing, but they say it will bleed into other sports, including women's and men's basketball. So I think what this really does is it opens the road for a Duke-Oregon State rivalry, and that's what the nation is clamoring for. Right, ever since the 1942 Rose Bowl, there's not quite, yeah, a back and forth quite like Oregon State and Duke. Okay, so what do you think? Overall, is this good or bad? Is the alliance good or bad for Oregon State? I, I mean, it's. I would say it's good, right? Like, I, I don't think the prospect of these bigger schools trying to align themselves together benefits the Beavers or Washington State or schools like that at all. Um, so I suppose it's a good thing. I really don't care to be honest i mean we're gonna be support the beavers regardless of who they're playing yeah that's true it really doesn't matter to us okay good job that story that's a classic media spin where it has nothing to do with us and we should just ignore it okay my second uh, college note is amani bates officially signed with memphis he chose memphis over oregon and the g league um this was after he took a visit to oregon do you think he was afraid of the beavers I think he saw or just kind of felt the vibe of what was going on just an hour up the road and decided he wanted no part of that. He's going to go play for Penny. I'm sure everything is above board there it's with all his recruitment. Board. Of course, right. Um, but, I mean, I'm relieved. I didn't want to have to hate him. Amani Bates rules. Yeah, he's cool. And I do feel a little bit of scorn in my heart just because I think Michigan State is like the successful sister school of Oregon State, you know. So to have him commit there and then decommit, it's it's a little slap in the face. But yeah, Amani's Amani's cool. He's a baller. We can have sympathy in our hearts for the Spartans. They are sort of the the Big Ten sister school to us. Like I I think we can claim that. They may not like that comparison, but that's fine. You know, they'll they'll hate that comparison, but only because they know it's true. Exactly. All right, and the last thing, uh, news update, and this is just because I think it happened in between our last podcast. So. I've told on this podcast the story of going to the Oregon State game a couple of years ago um, that they won in Gill and a drunk student walking up to me after the game and pulling me aside and saying, Peyton Pritchard's a fraud, and then walking off into the night. And then this summer, Peyton Pritchard dominates the summer league, averages 16 points, eight assists, leads the Celtics to the finals. He does so well that he leaves the summer league for a game, goes to the Portland Pro-Am, drops 92 points, goes back to Summer League for the championship game where he scores six points on three-for-nine shooting in 31 minutes. So I ask you, Sam, is Peyton Pritchard a fraud? Peyton Pritchard's not a fraud, but that's that's not even the part of this that I wanted to fo- – I, I asked if we could bring this up. You and I, avid fans of the Pro-Am, we coached a game in it together. I feel a connection to it. 
What Peyton Pritchard did this past two weekends ago, whenever it was, was the equivalent of a high school kid ditching his team in summer league because he wants to play AAU with his friends. It's and that is a that's a classic move that that happens all the time. Um, it is it's a brand move. I will it say I would re- at the NBA level though. It is surprising they let him go. It's surprising he came back. Um, the most surprising thing is is that he didn't have the balls to play for active players because I think that was that was the one thing that would have solidified in my mind that would have turned the legacy is if he came in. He said, who's the winless team? Put me on them, and he dropped 92 points for them. But he didn't do that. Not only did he not play for the team that would have been more most respectable for him to, he also added Tyrone White, who is a G League guy, friend of ours. You know, friend, We'll call him friend of the pod. He doesn't listen to it. I can just say it, though. But sure. he's, he's a 6'7 professional basketball player who's a two-guard. I mean, why are we adding players – why, we're making trades now in the pro am to stack your team for, uh, it just it bought nobody knows what we're talking about right now, but it, it, it boggles my mind. Clearly, it flusters me. No one knows what we're talking about, but and we barely do because, like you said, there are apparently no rules for the Portland pro am. It's very on the fly. Highly recommend it. Everyone check it out next year. Very cool. It it rules. It ab- It's a great time. It, you, it's the wild wild west though. One other detail we've got to mention, I mean, that's got a sting to be Mike James to not only lose to Peyton Pritchard in such a scenario, but then also not be on a NBA roster officially right now while Peyton Pritchard is. He might he might be going back to Russia, and hopefully him and his coach are on better stands. It would be hilarious. Is it the, the same team he's going to go play for again? I have no idea, but maybe. I thought he was just on loan. I, I guess so. It just seems like you pull a Latrell Sprewell. That's sort of awkward to come back to that. Yeah, he's that level of player, though, just like Latrell was. <laughs> True. If you get enough buckets, <laughs> you can do a lot of things. Exactly. All right, um, let's move on to the non-conference schedule, unless there's any other little bits of college basketball news you wanted to throw in. Um. I'll just say one more time in regards to the Pro-Am. It's a shame that the referees didn't hold Jordan Bell to the same standard that day that, that he, he held my players to. But I'll get over it. Yeah, eventually we'll let that go. Um, okay, so Oregon State put out its non-conference schedule. They open up with um, Portland State. Then they have two road games at Iowa State and Tulsa. They and then Stanford. Uh, they have Wake Forest in the Emerald Coast Classic, and then depending on how that game goes, they could either play Penn State or LSU. Then they round up with Sacramento State, UC Davis, Texas A&M at home, and Nichols State. And then they also play um, who is it? Cal and Arizona in early December, in kind of those random uh, Pac-12 conference games that happen during the non-conference season schedule. Are you, you're you're shocked? No, I. Sorry, I cut out for just a second. We'll we'll edit this out in post. But no, I mean, initially, I don't have, you know, a ton to say about it. I I am curious how obviously the LSU and Penn State winner and then the uh, Wake Forest are the key games on it that you have to win. But uh, just we just hope it goes better than the early season did last year. 
Yeah, definitely. I have a couple of thoughts. I'm glad you brought up the possibility of Oregon State versus LSU, because that's one of the first things that jumps out to me, because that's a classic good versus evil. Um, I think we can all agree Will Wade is evil, Wayne Tinkle. Will Wade is the embodiment of kind of evil, slimy college basketball. Wayne Tinkle is the embodiment of like doing it the right way, hard nose, uh, just put your put your hard hat on, whatever, whatever type of uh, similes you want to throw out there, analogies, you know, just kind of the blue collar fashion. Well, it, one of them is on FBI recordings joking about being able to compensate his players financially more than the G League can, and one does not. And so, right, it really is an easy call there as to who you should be rooting for. Yeah, so that, that immediately jumps off. You'd love to see that uh, happen. It would, I think it would take uh, both teams winning their first-round game. But that brings me up to my other thing. So. Iowa State and Wake Forest, those are obviously two of the big names that jump out early. Um, those were also the two worst Power 5 schools in the country, according to Ken Palm last year. Iowa State finishing at 171, Wake Forest at 175. So you, do you like our odds going into those games, or do you feel like they're looking for bounce-back years? Right. I mean, I assume both those teams will be better than they were last year. It was a tough year in a lot of ways. and uh, But yeah, Iowa State really didn't even miss that many games because of COVID. Wake Forest kind of did, didn't they? Yeah. And um, they, Iowa State has a new coach. I will say, Iowa State has a new coach. I read a little profile of him in The Athletic. And it sounds, he's saying they're going to be a blue-collar team, which is, you know, a.k.a. violent. And their terminology for guarding the basket is called being a goalie. So that kind of lets you know where their mindset at. So I think that could be a good game kind of because we're an interior-based team, and it sounds like that's going to be a big focus for them on defense. Yeah, it has a chance to be a frustrating game. but And, again, they, they've got a lot of new guys. So early on it could be a bit of an adventure. But um, that's a game they need to win. Yeah, definitely. I'll, and then I'll put the expectation. I'll put some some early season pressure on it. You know, I'm not afraid to do that occasionally. Exactly. Yeah, you're a high roller. Um, I also like to see Texas A&M. We finish off with them because Buzz Williams was just in the news. He's the Texas A&M coach. He's suspended for two games by the NCAA um, after they admitted that he was kind of uh, they admitted that he was covering things up. They didn't say what he was covering things up, but they admit that he was implicit in knowing that rule breaking was going on. So two game suspension for Buzz. You wonder, does he choose Oregon State? And also, I'm not sure if he gets to choose, but you wonder if he does. He probably does. I mean, this is, you know that it's probably pretty bad when when the 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 body that is putting out the suspension doesn't even want to tell you why they're suspending you publicly. Yeah, it's tough because Buzz Williams has hair now. Like, he was famously uh, shaving his head. I guess I thought he was bald, but I guess he was just shaving his head. So, new look, Buzz, but same old tricks. Wasn't he Michael Jordan's roommate? Or was that <laughs> I think a different does. guy? I have no idea. I, that does not sound right. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll edit that out, too. Um, and the last thing I just want to note is that, thank God, we opened the Pac-12 with Cal. Because I think we opened with them on December 2nd. It's, it seems like that happens every year. Maybe it's just been the past couple. But, but yeah, I mean, that does seem to be a fortunate thing. Because Arizona is going to be really good. Yeah, I think that it's definitely going to be nice to have a warm-up game going into the Arizona showdown. Um, all right, anything else you want to touch on? No, you know, it's just nice to have out there. I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm getting revved up. We've got Definitely. the first football game coming up. It's it's a fun time to be a Beaver fan. Exactly. It always is, really. All right. Um, 
So stay tuned. We are going to have the interview with Elridge Rocastner coming up right now. All right. We're here with Peyton Year's favorite announcer, uh, Pac-12 standout, carrying the whole Pac-12 network on his back, Eldridge Rocastner. Eldridge, how you doing? Oh, I thought you was going to say Bill Walton, man. <laughs> I'm doing all right. <laughs> no, the real heads know. The real heads know the best one on the Pac-12 network is you. The people no, who good, watch man. the games know. <laughs> uh, how are you doing today? How are you, how are you feeling in this summer? Feeling pretty good. Having a good day, man. Can't complain. The weather's nice here today in Seattle, so uh, I'm enjoying it. It takes a lot for us to have a Husky on this, this podcast, let alone a <laughs> so you know this is a big thing for us. Oh, we're yeah. going to start right out the gate with the Husky Beaver stuff, man. Okay. We all got right, to. All right. That's why I wore my shirt. Yeah, I don't know if you guys can see that. Yeah. Everybody can't wear the purple and gold, baby. <laughs> um. What I guess one thing I'm, I'm curious about is uh, what do what do basketball announcers like yourself do once the season ends? Do you do like other games or anything like that? Do you go around scouting? Do you have other sports you cover or like what do you do once the Pac-12 season ends? Uh, once the Pac-12 season ends, for me, you know, I, I watch a lot of NBA action. Um, I try to learn from some of the best in the business, man. My my favorite color commentator is probably Hubie Brown. Okay, uh, I would say followed by Marcus Johnson. And Doris Burke, I like those guys. As far as play-by-play -play people, uh, Gus Johnson is by far my favorite man. He he calls games like his like he's calling his son's games. You know, uh, <laughs> I watch a lot of AAU. You know, I come down to Oregon. Um, you know, it used to be the Les Swab deal. I don't right. know what it's called now because I think Les Swab sold. But I usually go down to the Motor Center and check out the Nike Hoop Summit. Um, I just try to stay around the game, try to keep my eye on the young talent, especially if I know they're coming into the Pac-12 conference, I'll try to go to some AAU tournaments down in Portland at Hoops and, and, and check out the future talent. Have you seen any uh, people coming into the Pac-12 that's got you particularly excited for this upcoming season? Is there any yeah, new there's standouts a kid we know Washington. about? There's a kid at Washington. His name is, uh, is, is Langston. Oh, God, what's Langston's last name? I can't believe I'm drawing a blank. But, man, he just absolutely jumps out the gym, man. I mean, just yeah. a phenomenal athlete. The highest jumping dude I've ever seen, you guys. I'm not lying. I mean, he makes Warth Alatiche look like he has two sprained ankles. That's how high this guy is I mean, he's got some serious boosters, man. And I know you guys know Warth can jump, you know. Yeah, that is we one thing him, I wanted to ask you. Go yeah, ahead, We Sam. call him the trampoline, man. That's that's what we took from you. We're trying to spread that. If God, we, I, how did I know you were going to go to a Husky kid as, as someone <laughs> to be looking out for? Hey, it, it just is what it is, man. I, I sure. thought Abel Getty at, at Washington State was the best athlete in the conference, and I thought Warth was behind him. But this Langston kid that the UW just recruited, man, he's, he's six foot nine. He's not real. He's not real muscular, but I, he has a forty-eight inch vertical. You guys at six foot nine. Damn. Hold on, let me get his let me get his last name because I can't believe I can't remember his last name. <laughs> but he's from That's Philly, cool. and he, uh, you know, because I thought there was a guy I played with when I was at Washington from eighty-six through nine named Deion Brown was the best dunker in college basketball that I had ever seen and definitely the best athlete for the University of Washington. But this kid I think is gonna be is gonna be is gonna be more exciting and fun to watch than Dion, man. And that's and that's saying something. So how are we feeling about the Husky program going into the season? Because this was a, a lackluster year for your uh, alma mater. You know what? I haven't seen him so I don't know. You know, I, I know some pieces Terrell Brown transferred from Arizona. 
Mm-hmm. I know he can play. Uh, Dejon Davis transferred from Stanford. I know he can play. They've got a kid named Emmett Matthews that was at West Virginia. They got P.J. Fuller, who was at TCU. All these guys are from the Seattle area. I just don't know how it's going to all fit together, man, you know, in a, in a couple of months over the offseason. Um, obviously, I don't think they can do any worse than they did last year. Last year was, <laughs> was pretty bad, so hopefully they'll be better than last season. How did you uh, – was the name Trampoline Man? Because me, Sam's not gonna not lying. We love that nickname for Warth. We tell everybody that's who he is. We introduce him as it. Was that an off-the-cuff nickname that you just came up with when you saw him jump, or did you see it, think about it beforehand? How did you come up with it? It's a term that I've used before with some with some guys that, that, that's got bounce like Warth, but uh, I think it fits him even better because sometimes guys are more jumpers off of one foot. Well, I think Warth is a two-foot jumper, and uh, he's got some serious springs, man. So uh, – I use the term trampoline, man, and you you guys probably know Rich Burke. Rich Burke likes to say he's he's spring-loaded. You know, that's Rich's yeah. <laughs> term. So we kind of take turns using those two terms to uh, to to describe Warwick, who I think is just a – he's a phenomenal athlete, man. He really is. Yeah, he, yeah, he's a great – and he's coming along, I think, in terms of his uh, skills, too. Like, uh, a lot of people talk about how he kind of came later to the game because he comes from such, like, an academic-focused family that they weren't sure about letting their kids play sports until – kind of like middle of high school, later on in high school. But it seems to us that his feel is getting so much better with every game. I don't know if you noticed that as a commentator. That's just in Beaver fans' minds only. Oh, for sure. I don't think I don't think Oregon State makes the run without Warren. You know, I, I mean, he was he was a huge difference maker, man. And I just think with his athleticism, obviously Ethan Thompson did a, did a fantastic job. I don't think he got enough credit for, for how good he was last year. And I still can't believe it, man. I got I got to be honest. Damn. I mean, they – what the elite eight they made it all the way to the elite eight one yep, game away yeah. from the final four is just you know when i was calling the games during the pac-12 regular season last year hell i didn't even think they would finish in the top half of the league <laughs> so the run that they did was was really really impressive man i gotta tip my hat to wayne tinkle uh ethan thompson warth alatiche you know that 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 whole squad just it just flat out balled out and the guy i'm talking about is langston wilson six foot nine from philadelphia pennsylvania He's going to dunk on somebody next year, and I guarantee he's going to get every team in the league. So Oregon State's going to be on the list. <laughs> We're going to have to look up his YouTube highlight. Well, you, guys check out his, so you guys know who Chet Holmgren is, right? The number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm going to text you guys a picture when I get your number after we're over. You'll see he got a tip dunk on Chet Holmgren, who's seven foot one. He damn near jumped over his head, man. Was this okay. okay? I think I have seen this. Was that was this at the Seattle Pro Am? This is that Jamal Crawford's Pro Am, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So is yep. this the guy with kind of like dreads or, or yeah, whatever? Yeah, a little like, bit of dreads going. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I yep. I watched the highlights of that game, and yeah, that guy. I was like, who is this guy? He was because he was going off. Okay, wow. I didn't know he was going to University of Washington. Oh yeah, yeah. That guy is yeah. A player. Okay. Yeah. He, wow. he, he reminds me. Because I, I saw that dunk too, and he reminds me just based off of that a little bit of like Derrick Jones Jr. But he's bigger. He's six he's nine. But bigger, right? Yeah, yeah, he's, think he's, about he's that. Like a post. He's kind of like you know, if I had to think that. of somebody, I don't know if you guys remember Stromile Swift, who played at LSU oh, yeah, for sure. the NBA. But he's mm-hmm. a better dunker than Stromile Swift, man. He's he's phenomenal. He damn near jumps in the rim with the ball, man. That's how much bounce he has. <laughs> yeah. What's the uh, so? Do you have? I know you got to be kind of impartial as like a commentator or whatever. But do you find? players that you like kind of fall in love with over the course of the season that you find yourself cheering for? I wouldn't say cheering for, but it's obviously guys that you be, you become fans of, you know, Ethan Thompson at, at Oregon state, you know, the, the shooter, uh, what's the shooter's name? Jared Lucas. Jared Lucas, man. I mean, I was a shooter. So come on, you know, you gotta love the way Jared is always locked and loaded and ready to fire. You know, uh, 
I like Isaac Bonton from from Washington State. I, I thought he was probably the most exciting guy to watch. I love the I development of Johnny Juzang over the course of the season. You know, I thought he turned into a first round draft pick. You know, by the end of the year, I was surprised that he that he was returning to UCLA. Um, love yeah, Evan Mobley. You know, just a lot of great players in the Pac-12. Can we go the opposite way? And feel free not to touch this, but there are any players you watch just like, I can't stand this guy. And side note, why is it Remy Martin? <laughs> Remy Martin no, is who we're trying to get you to talk about, right? But if you, you can say another like one. Remy? Come on, man. We don't like Remy on this podcast. He oh, man. Remy, Remy, Remy to me was the energizer bunny, man. He just always had all of this energy. But I think I think Josh Christopher kind of messed up a little bit of Remy's flow in his senior year, man. Somebody yeah. forgot to tell Josh Christopher that Remy Martin was supposed to be the man. <laughs> yeah, that, that team was just really easy to dislike when you got Coach Hurley banging and yelling and screaming. And, yeah, they, they're bickering with each other. It, you don't like Bobby Hurley either? No, we can't. We have, we're we're anti-Arizona State we're, on this. We're anti-Arizona State. I just uh, – oh, we thought there's a lot this year. We thought it was – we also thought it was really – I shouldn't say we're anti Bobby Hurley. Like we don't like him, but he is very entertaining. We do talk about him a lot. Like we loved how Arizona State kept having a uh, COVID problems and kept having, and then every single game you see Bobby Hurley pulling down his mask every chance he gets, getting people's face. Like, yeah, there's no way to stop it, Bobby. Who knows? Oh, you guys are cold, man. You guys are cold. Arizona State actually was one of the schools I wanted to go to. You know, when I when I saw their campus, their colors maroon and gold were the same colors as my high school. And uh, whenever we played Pac-12 games, man, it was always warm in Arizona when it was freezing cold out here in the Northwest in, in December and January, February. So ASU was one of the, one of the places that I always liked down in Tempe. Yeah, it's a pool party with a college attached. It's, it's, there's not a lot to dislike. <laughs> right. If they want to give me a scholarship, I'll, I'll reconsider. <laughs> but until then. Well, well, after what you said about Bobby Hurley, man, I don't think it's going to happen. No, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, we've crossed the line with Arizona State fans before, but we love the energy over there. We love that they bring in Michael Phelps every once in a while to heckle a 19-year-old while he takes free throws. It's got there's there's good vibes. Well, they're, they're, I think their curtain of distraction is a pretty cool feature that they do. You know, I, sure. I, I enjoy that. I actually yeah. haven't called any games at Arizona State. They usually use Matt Milbach and uh, and Eddie House down there, but um, yeah, they've been fun to watch over the last few seasons. Yeah. Yeah, they always have good guards. It's it's an entertaining style of basketball for sure. Can't take that away. The only we're also a little uh we were a little down on this year because they took we're big, we're from Portland and we're big Portland area basketball fans. So like we love Bontom because he's a Portland legend. Uh he went to high school out here and yeah. we love um what's what's the guy who transferred from Portland State? Holland Boo Boo Woods. Yeah, Boo Boo. I was trying to think of his nickname. We love Boo Boo Woods and he was such an awesome player at Portland State and such a gunner. And then to see Bobby Hurley turn him into like a pass first point guard off the bench, you know, that really that put a knife in our heart. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised that uh, I'm surprised Oregon State didn't go off the Bonton. I don't, I don't know what was going on there because I, I, I really like this game and I thought he got better over the course of his career. I'm not sure if I heard he's coming back. I know with COVID they get an extra season, but I did see him at Jamal Crawford's program and he told me he was trying to go pro. So that's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. He's got a game that I feel like translates pretty well to the pro level, just be in terms of being able to get his own shot. Like, you know, I think that's a skill that's going to translate for him. He's a little smaller, so I don't know about how he'll handle defensively, like if he's trying to go to the NBA, but he's got like an offensive pro skill set, I would say. Oh, for sure. He's thinking about his shot first, second, and third. There ain't no doubt <laughs> about that. Yep. 
I don't know if he's an NBA guy, but if he's going to go overseas, he's going to be like an Allen Iverson type. He's exactly. Gonna t- shoot a ton and be that that dog out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's yeah, definitely he's a scoring one. I think my first game I called at Washington State, he took 27 shots, man, from the point guard position. I was like, man. wow. I had never seen that before. But he got better <laughs> as the season went along. And like I said, I, I thought he was one of the more exciting guys to watch in the conference. Yeah, it's fun. We were big fans of the Washington State team. Um, we love Noah Williams' game. We think he's poised for a breakout season coming into this year and stuff like that. They got good players. We always see Washington State as kind of a sister school, too, because we feel like we're both always disrespected by all the other Pac-12 teams. <laughs> yeah, two of, the, two of the smaller town schools, I, I would say, yeah. You know, I think it's I think it's probably a little bit more difficult to re- recruit at those two places. But Kyle Smith, man, is doing a fantastic job, a lot like Wayne Tinkle. He's really getting it done over there, and uh, they're always in games. They won a lot of games last year that I didn't think that they would. And like you said, Noah Williams should have a breakout season this year with Isaac Bonton gone. The ball would be in his hands. Yeah. Yeah. We uh, we love your sayings in games, and I was kind of curious about, like, your prep before because you've had a couple of things that you've said in games that I've just taken into my everyday vernacular because I love them so much. And I'll, I'll read off a couple that I pulled out, and then – I'm just curious if you think about them going into games or if they just come like in the heat of the moment, but um, what do I have? Yes. They both involve Zach Reichel, but like one time you were calling a game and Zach Reichel got pushed from behind and he fell into another player and they called a foul on him and he just kind of looked at the ref and you said, Zach can't believe it, but he's just a victim of his own circumstance right there. (laughs) And we've been saying victim of our own circumstance all year. And then the other one was, uh, oh, a USC player. I can't remember if it was USC or Arizona. They pump faked in the corner because they were going to uh, drive by, pump fake a three and drive by for a layup. But he accidentally jumped in the air and he came down with the ball and it was a travel. And he was really mad. They called a timeout and he was walking off and you said, yeah, he knew what he wanted to do. But like we all know, sometimes the thought doesn't leave the mind. <laughs> Yeah, I think those two probably just came to me in the moment. You know, sometimes it's weird, man. You know, I, I love the game of basketball so much. Sometimes I'll be doing something outside of the game in a thought or a song or something to pop in my head, and I'll just take my time and write it down on a little notepad. And if I find a moment during the game to, to, to use the phrase, I'll use it. But a lot of the time, the stuff is just spontaneous, man, just based on what's going on on the floor. Man, you should be a poet. You've got a great way with words. We need we need a book. We need a book from you. No, thanks, man. I appreciate you guys uh, supporting what I do. I really do. What's the uh, What are your thoughts going into this season? Because we just we went to a practice at Oregon State um, a couple like two or three weeks ago and watched one of their kind of like summer workouts, and it got us really excited about the team because we got a lot of new people coming in, some transfers as well as some holdovers from uh, the experience run, and we're getting pretty high on them, but. What do you think is kind of the general Pac-12 landscape for next year? Who do you think are kind of like the top teams or people who are poised to win the uh, win the conference? Well, I think Oregon, you know, they're going to be good again because uh, yeah. Dan Altman just finds a way to go get guys, man. I mean, I think he's probably the best in the country at going out and identifying really good transfers to come in. That's kind of like what he's built this program on. You know, in the past, guys used to bring in really highly talented freshmen and try to develop them, but and it's one and done in there. When you get the top guys, they, they leave early. So Oregon has found a way to go out there and hit the transfer market and, uh, and build their program that way. So I think they'll be good. With Johnny Juzang coming back at UCLA, I think you gotta you got to favor them. They've got they've got their little point guard, Tiger Campbell, coming back. Um, right. I think they'll be good. 
I don't know what to really expect from Arizona because I haven't heard anything about who's staying, who's going with the new coach that they hired. Um, McKinley Wright is gone at Colorado, so I expect that to affect them a little bit. Um, Larry Kistoriak is out at Utah, so I think that's going to hurt them a little bit. I think it'll take a couple years for those guys to adjust. Yeah. But uh, Evan Mobley out at, U at USC. Will Isaiah step up and, and be more dominant? I don't know, but I, I know they lost quite a few guys as well. So I expect probably UCLA and Oregon to, to be at the top of the conference uh, next season, at least in the preseason. Yeah, definitely. I, I'd say that's my thoughts, too. Uh, U of O just seems to win the conference every single year, so it's hard to bet against them. What do you think? Does Oregon State stand a chance? And this before this year, this would have sounded absolutely insane, but do we stand a chance at having a top-four finish in the Pac-12 to you? Because I we got fifth. Fifth with an asterisk this year. So can we improve and get a top four finish in the conference? What do you think? I think it's going to depend on who their point guard is. I mean, Johnny Hunt played well off the bench last year, but this year he's probably going to have to be the starter and be the guy. I just don't think people appreciate Ethan Thompson enough, man. I mean, the, the yeah. stuff that that, that that guy did, you know, six foot five, can play the point, a good rebounder, a good defender. I think he's really, really going to be missed. But if Warthala Tisha can step up his game, Johnny Hunt, um, you know, you know who knows. I mean, can 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 Wayne, you know, pull magic out of the bottle again two years in a row? I, I don't know because I'm still shocked, man. I I just kept watching those NCAA tournament games and I was like, you got to be kidding me! They're gonna win again, you know? I mean, it was unreal, man. But but what a fantastic run! And I know the Beaver fans are really excited, man. I know you guys had to be thrilled because it was just it just was a lot of fun to follow. We'll give you one name that we're hoping can be the answer at point guard. It's a, it's a junior college transfer by the name of Deshaun Davis, who averaged like 30 a game last year. He's a New York kid. And so we're hoping that we're not overhyping him because if he can step in and be that kind of player, I agree with you. That's the one need they need to address that they're losing is, is a guy like Ethan. And it, they could be scary good. See, the scary thing about that is you say the average 30, but I think they need somebody that can get Lucas shots and get Warth Alatiche in transition throwing some lobs to him. If somebody's going to come down looking to jack it up all the time, say like Isaac Montan, then I'm yeah. not <laughs> sure if it's going to work. But if he's <laughs> as good as you guys said he is, I'm pretty sure Wayne Tingle can find a way to get him to play some team ball. And if that's the case, you know, if they can have a deadly guy at the shooting guard, the small forward, and the point guard, I don't know what bigs are coming back uh, for Oregon State this year, but um, is Silver back, the big fella, the big seven? He one? is. Okay. Yeah. Oh, back, yeah. and he, you know. I thought he's he got a lot better as the season went along. Yeah, yeah. He's lost about 20, 25 pounds, it kind of looks like. He's uh, really? he's looking a lot more mobile and stuff like that. Okay. And there's there's a uh, seven-foot-one transfer center from Maryland, um, Shoal Mariel, who's I think oh, wow. so a little injured going into the season. But we both came away really impressed because people were always telling us that he could shoot. And we're like, he's seven-one, seven-two. How much can he really shoot? But – after going to the practice, we're like, no, he can really shoot. It doesn't even touch the the net when it goes through. It's it's pretty oh, so crazy. He's a, he's a Laurie Markkinen type of player at seven foot. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. We asked this question. You, I want to preface this by saying, you know, no disrespect, no hate. We love the job you do. Like you said, you're our all-time favorite Pac-12 uh, commentator over Bill Walton, even if he somehow predicted the, the Beaver run <laughs> in one of his ramblings early in the year, but – we talk a lot about uh, the Beaver bias on our show, which is just kind of uh, the general hate we feel like the world, but especially the media has for Oregon State, kind of an inability to recognize anything good. And we just want to ask you as a member of the media, why do you hate the Beavers? 
I don't think there's any bias from anybody that I've called games with. You know, uh, I mean, Oregon State's had some great players over the years. You know, I'll go all the way back to Steve Johnson, A.C. Green, obviously Gary Payton, who I played against. Uh, they just had a lot of fantastic players over the years. And uh, I don't see any there's, – there's nothing to hate coming from me. I played against Wayne, so I've been knowing <laughs> Wayne hell. We played in the CBA against each other. And I think we played in college against each other. So, yeah, there's no bias. There's no bias on my part. I just try to call it like I see it, man. It doesn't matter if you're UCLA or you're Oregon State, Washington State. If you're playing some good basketball and you got some guys that can ball out, I'm going to try to give them some love. Now, if you're stinking it up, then that's a different story. I got I got to call a spade a spade, you know. <laughs> we see it more in the, the, the predictions. You know, they're always picked a spot too low, that sort of thing. It took us forever in the Ken Palm and RPI rankings to get above teams that we were clearly better than last year. And so that's why we put it on everybody that we have on this podcast. Yeah, I never, I never sent in, I never sent in a vote, man, because I just think it's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, seriously, you haven't yeah. seen the teams play, so how right. can you predict right. who's going to be where? So when they send that, they send that poll out. I never really fill it out, so so you guys, you guys could uh, take me off the hit list because I don't have nothing to do with it. You're good. You're good. You're not. You're not. You're only on our good list. <laughs> yeah, I just don't. I just don't think it's fair, you know, because you don't win games on paper anyway. You know what I mean? Right, right. You can look at a great list of players on paper. That doesn't mean it's going to turn into what Oregon State did last year. And like I said, I don't think – I don't even think Wayne Tingle thought he was going to have the damn run he did, man. No. I'll be honest with you. He was shocked. No, no definitely not. I mean, he literally started this – we called all last season the promise season because he started off in media day promising we wouldn't get last in the conference. <laughs> so, <laughs> I actually thought Wayne was on the hot seat, man. If he, if he wouldn't have went on that run, it wouldn't have surprised me if he would have got terminated, but I heard he got a new deal and great for him. I think a great guy, but I tell y'all what, if I see his damn daughters jumping up screaming one more damn time, <laughs> I might have to call the police on somebody. <laughs> well, one of them got a job. She is going to be an assistant coach at, for Montana's women's team. So they're not going to be there as much, but we're hoping around Christmas break that they can get together. Yeah. You know, I actually, uh, I actually ran into Trace this this, this summer, and uh, when I was at the summer league down in Vegas, had a chance to talk to him. So, uh, you know, it was good seeing him. He was with the Lakers, but his sisters, man, I tell you what, boy, they they they've got their brother and their dad's back. There's no doubt about that. Yep. Yeah, they're ride or dies. <laughs> um, Sam, do you have anything else? Well, so you obviously this podcast is called the Peyton Years because up until this past year, the the only success in our lifetimes that the Beavers had had in basketball was when Gary Payton or his son was on the team, and you were at Washington the exact same timeline that that Gary Payton Senior was was at OSU. And do you have any stories against playing against him? Obviously, you guys both like to talk. No, you know what? I was super quiet back then, man. Oh, Gary, really? Oh, yeah. I didn't. I didn't hardly say anything, Gary. Gary was always the trash talker, you know. But, yeah, we, we hated each other, you know, pretty much, you know. Yeah. I actually came to UW. I actually came into the Pac-10 back then, yeah. one year ahead of Gary, because I came in in 85, but I registered my freshman year. So our careers pretty much overlapped, 86 through 90. Uh, I think, you know, I always had good games. I think I think we might have won the series back then. And I always, you know, always played well. I always liked Gil Coliseum, man. It was just, They always had soft rims. It was always a nice place to play. And you had to be on top of your game because if you wasn't, Gary was going to punk you. So if you came in there scared, you could forget about it, man. He just was a fierce competitor. But I think my 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 fondest memory is our senior year. You know, Sports Illustrated was following Gary around the country because he was one of the player of the year candidates at the time. And they played at our place. We beat him. I think I had 28. 
uh, played great. But before the game, you know, I was a captain for UW. Gary was the captain for Oregon State. You know, you go out there, you meet with the referee at half court. They tell you all the rules and all that kind of stuff. And then normally the two captains shake hands. Well, Gary wouldn't shake my hand. That's just the kind of kid he was, you know. He's always looking for his. So he wouldn't shake my hand, and it kind of pissed me off. You know, and then after that, I was like, all right, man, I got to go at this cat. But he was talking smack, man, to all my friends that were sitting in the game, talking about he's about to go first round. He's about to get a million a year. But, you know, that's what I love about Gary, man. He, he talked to talk, but he always backed it up. So I got a lot of respect for him, man, to see what he went on to do in the NBA. It's just outstanding. You know, we, we're friends now. I talk to him all the time. If it's like his son dunked on somebody a couple of weeks ago, you know, and yeah, I said, yeah. say, hey, man, I, I don't remember you having bounced like that because Gary couldn't jump and dunk like that. Gary rarely ever dunked the ball. And when he did, it was ugly. You know, he just got <laughs> a lot of skills and he scored with layups. But his son, Gary Payton II, has got some serious bounce, man. He's a phenomenal athlete. Yeah, GP2 is a next-level athlete for sure. I heard he was a great swimmer, too, in high school, too. So, yeah, really? I think he's wow. across the country. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, Eldridge, we know you're on your summer break. We appreciate you taking some time for us coming on. Uh, we can't wait to catch your games next year. We're so happy that you do a lot of Oregon State games because you honestly, you do a phenomenal job. Can't say it enough. Uh, really appreciate you being on. Well, thanks for having me on, fellas. I appreciate it, man. Like I said, I appreciate you guys being fans of what I do. I love the game. I love calling the games. Always enjoy going down to Oregon State. You know, I still can't believe y'all don't have an airport. I'll leave y'all with this story. So when I first started working with the Pac-12 network, they said, you know, you got a game down in Oregon State. So it's like, you need to book your flight. So I said, okay. So I log on, you know, I'm on alaska.com and I'm I'm putting in Corvallis and nothing's coming up. So I'm calling the Pac-12, because this is 30 years since I've been out of school, right? So I'm calling the Pac-12 network and I'm like, I can't find a flight in the Corvallis. And it was like, there's no airport. I'm like, what the hell you guys mean? There's still not an airport in Corvallis? They said no. So I thought that was hilarious, man. I, I just <laughs> couldn't believe it. But everything in Gills looks exactly the same from when I played 35 years ago, man. They've done a fantastic <laughs> job of taking care of the place, maintaining it. And uh, it was an electric place to play back then. I just hope we have fans this year. Because I'll yeah. say this, guys, it was just really weird calling the games with nobody in the arena. That was That was just bizarre. Yeah, but thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. We're hoping we can get down to Gil, yeah, and maybe see get to a game you're calling and we can say what up. That that'll be great, man. You guys do that. Yep. Heck yeah. All right. Well, have a good day. You too, man. Y'all take care. All right. Big shout out to Eldridge Rakasner for coming on and joining us. That was a great interview. Such a cool guy. That dude's a legend, and he's got a ton of stories. I hope we can get him on again. That might be my favorite interview we've done so far. Yeah, he's cool. His, all the personality that he brings across in his broadcast, totally come across just talking to him. He's, he's just a cool guy. Yeah, and he we were just like – I mean, shout-outs to everybody we have on, but it's so cool the way that people just that love basketball are willing to do this. They've never met us before. Right. That, yeah, definitely. That's a good point. It's a community. It's a community of ballers and us who like to watch ballers. Right. By We're baller adjacent for sure. Yeah, no one can baller, say we're not. Baller adjacent. That's true. Um, all right. You want to do some quick shout outs on our way out? I do. I have one for um, honestly, if you really listen to this podcast consistently, you probably know about the belligerent beeves podcast by now. They it's a couple episodes ago, but they had me on. Andy was busy to talk about the team and, and what we saw at the practice and stuff. Those guys are killing it. They're really funny. So listen to them. I like, it is right up your alley if, if you listen to us. 
Yeah, listen to the Bludgeon Beeves. They're cool. You guys did a great job. I thought I liked that interview a lot. I listened to it. It was good. Well, thank you. All right. Now I want to give a couple of shout outs. I want to give a shout out to Wayne Tinkle for throwing the first pitch at a Chicago Cubs game right down the middle. We don't need any video evidence, John Canzano. We know right it was a strike. One. <laughs> um, I want to give a shout out to Alfred Hollins, who is the last transfer we had uh, out of the Beaver program who to finally sign. He signs with UTEP, so he'll be balling out at Texas El Paso. Oh, really? I didn't realize he waited that long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just signed, I think, the last week. Uh, I want to shout out Trace. Trace Tinkle signed with a, an Italian basketball league team. I read one. I'm not sure which one, but that was good. He had a good showing out in summer league, so I think he earned himself a nice little payday. Right. We can only assume it's because he's going to make top-level money out there because he played really well in summer league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure there's a nice bag, and he deserves it. He was balling out. And last, I just want to give a shout-out to – we got some new listeners in Australia, Ireland, and Azerbaijan. <laughs> I was wondering why you were mumbling that just before we started recording. I didn't realize I that think, was the name of a country, to be completely honest with you. I don't think I've ever said it out loud. I've seen it written down. So if I butchered it, I'm sorry. And if you are one listener in it, please leave us a, a review. <laughs> what is your up. story? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Could we get you on the podcast? I would love that. Um, all right. But that's all the shout outs I have. And I guess the only thing left to say is... Fuck the ducks. Fuck the ducks. All right. Go Bees forever. See y'all soon.